Hello and welcome to the Winging It podcast, episode 12, Bolivia. So yeah, I travelled in Bolivia in 2014 for roughly around two weeks. So I'm going to share some experiences and some tips for you if you want to travel in Bolivia. But I've got some facts for you first. Uh, They speak Spanish, so get your Spanish on the go very quickly. It's one of the cheapest places in South America to travel. Um, So your dollar will go quite far, or pound if you're in the UK. It has one of the highest um, cities in altitude in the world, so you will definitely need to climatise when you go there. The country sort of spans from the salt flats in the west to Amazon in the east, so you've got a full array of different types of weather. It is one of the wettest countries in the world. You can also see pink dolphins in the Amazon, if you go to Bolivia, in the east side. 40% of all animal and plant life can be found in Bolivia. Great fact, that. And to finish off, Lake Titicaca is the highest lake in the world, which I did visit, and that'll be towards the end of this episode. So I went to Bolivia from Chile. So I was in San Pedro, which is in the north, in the Atacama Desert. And I booked myself onto a salt flat tour, which cost about 200 US dollars, um, two nights, three days, and it gets you across the border and into Bolivia, as well as seeing some cool stuff on the way. So the first thing you do see once you go through the border control is the most remote border posting I've seen. I mean, if you if you know the long way up um, travel series with Ewan McGregor, he goes to the same place as I did on this tour. Um, I don't think he really shows that hut I think you might do actually but um yeah this hut is in the middle of nowhere just queuing like there's volcanoes in the background nothing about apart from this one little pose you queue up you get your visa and you go in so yeah we were on this tour and it's uh, I think we had a couple of jeeps on the same tour but in my jeep there was me uh, there's a girl called Paulina from Poland and then I was tra- there's other four other Aussies Ryan, Lisa, Sophie and Chris who were great and I actually carried on travelling in summer Bolivia after this tour. And we all got on really well. A lot of banter flying about. A couple of them Aussies were living in the UK anyway. So a lot to sort of bond over. And they actually made it a pretty cool tour in the end. That was actually a good laugh. So after the border, we went to the Laguna Verde. Which is like a, a green lagoon. This tour was full of lagoons. So if that's your thing, you're well in your comfort zone here. And... um we sort of chilled out, if you wanted, in lagoons, in your swimming gear. And then had that nice, crisp, hot water. Um, didn't burn you too much. So that was part of the tour, quite a lot. Like, stop here. Do you want to dip in? Yes or no? Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty cold. It's so high up um, in terms of altitude. So it's a bit of that conflict of, of heat, hot and cold, really. So after that, we went to saw the geezers at the Eduardo Avaro Reserve and these geezers were spurting out probably the most between 7 and 9am um, so we got there pretty early but yeah just constantly every 15-20 seconds come out of the ground it's a pretty cool thing to do and then after that we went to Laguna Colorado which is pink and uh, I think the plankton make it pink and it's where the flamingos hang out in this period of time, I was obsessed with flamingos. I don't even know why. I just wanted to see flamingos. And I was like getting emotional to my mate Lewis, who wasn't on this uh, tour. 
But I'll say to him, look, if I don't see flamingos here, I'm going to go to Cuba and to see flamingos. So I was very serious about my threat. But yeah, um, I managed to get some photos pretty close to the flamingos. And yeah, they're pink. <laughs> Sit there, drink their water, hang around. Pretty cool things. Um, so that was a cool, cool sight to see, a bit of nature. And then after that first day, we sort of stayed at some basic accommodation. And this is definitely shown on that long way up from New McGregor where... It is basics in the middle of nowhere. It's cold. There's no showers. There's no hot water. It was that cold that we all had fires and we all tried to eat, but we all slept in our ski jackets and our sleeping bags. It was that cold. And because it was even high up in altitude, I had an awful night's sleep. I remember like having a bit of a headache. The um, It kind of gets to you. You can't breathe properly. And I just tried to get through it, but that was so cold. Um, I think everyone's in the same boat. So we all... Um, Got to bed pretty early, but had some good soup, which is Bolivia. In Bolivia, that's what they're known for. They love their soup. Um, so I had that, and also we talked about the day, and it's all sort of going towards the salt flats. But the salt flats wasn't until day three, morning of. Um, so we still had another day of exploring the day after. So the day after, again, Colorado Lake was seen, which is that pink lake. We saw a different angle. Um, we went to go and check out some different rock formations, and we're basically travelling through the Sololi Desert in our jeeps towards the um, uh, Uyuni, which is where the salt flats are. So cracking through there. And that night we stayed at the Salt Hotel. And this hotel is made of salt and it's bloody cold. Again, no hot showers, no water. It's just one of those freezing places, pretty cool to look at. But we had to stay there. So I, um, yeah shared a room with Paulina because we had to go in twos and the Aussies stayed in their own rooms and then yeah the morning of we left for sunrise yeah I know I hate sunrises in terms of have to get up and hope there's a good view but this was spectacular the sunrise so we got we got in the jeep in darkness got out and you stop off in this little like island of oasis really in the middle of the salt flats you, you, we haven't really seen it yet because it's been dark but they said hey get out here you can climb up and it's got like cactuses on it it's got like, a bit of green shrubbery and all that sort of stuff we get to the top and the guys were like yeah just wait here and then the sun will come up and as the sun come up and the moon was still there we started to really get a sense of how vast this place was and the view was incredible so i went in a dry season so no rain and it didn't have that mirror effect that you might have seen in some photos. It's purely dry. So it was just like, yeah, a, a bottom of an ocean bed, flat, cracked ground for miles and miles on end. And I've got some great panoramas in there, great photos. And then we drove off to, um, this is now like daylight, we drove off to where the flags are and you can put your lock on there or your flag on there. I've got my photo there. And then you can start creating these cool photos because it's so vast, you can like, tell part of the group to go 30 metres away and your camera is like right by you here, like 30 metres away from them, like closest to you. And you can then, you know, put like a, a thumb thumb thing where you flick the pages, what, I don't know what they're called, and you sort of like squash them or you can put like a little um, cigarette. So you sort of like smoke them and they sort of like disappear. It's all this sort of weird stuff that we were doing. And um, we went a bit crazy. I think Chris is a bit of a lad and... He had a, um, <laughs> yeah, he had us lined up as if we we're like cocaine and he had his like little cigarette thing. He was snorting us and that's a picture that I think he got that he loved. 
Um, no, you can also do weird ones like um, one is like further away and one's closer to you because they're so big compared to the furthest person away. The photo looks like that they're, they're like a giant and they're scaring you all and all that sort of stuff. It's um, If you go on Google and search like salt flats, funny photos, I'm sure you'll see loads on there. So we've done that for like an hour, um, hanging around, had some good coffee on the go, um, had a good look around, but it's just a vast area of just salt flats. It's pretty, pretty cool. Nothing like it. Um, so after that, we popped over to the town of Ayuni and then we saw this like random um, mining train wreck um, that was there. Checked that out. And then from Ayuni, we went to Potosi. So... Potosi is 4,090 metres high. So if you want that in feet, that's 13,420 feet. Bloody hell. That's hard work already. That's hard work. Um, but the problem here is, as with most Bolivian cities, it's built within like bowls. So they're up and down hills all the bloody time. So even walking to the shop to get a beer, knackered. Trying to get like into a calf. Oh yeah, up a hill. Right, okay. And it's just, it got a little bit like, oh, Jesus, am I ever going to acclimatise to this? So Ryan, the Aussie guy, had his birthday and we decided to have some a few drinks and a night out in Potosi. But a night out is a couple of beers because it's so thin up there. You have your beers, bit of food, you're gone, mate. Like, you're done. Um, pretty boozed up. So me and the Aussies um, travelled together to uni and then to Potosi and then... Yeah, had a night out and we sort of like decided to have a bit of a good time there, but also book in for the Silver Mine tour. So Potosi is kind of dominated by the Cerrico Mountain, which dominates the city. So it's like a silver mine. It's been there for, I'd say, 500 years, um, maybe six. Um, it costs about $30, I think, any hostel you stay at. Um, you can book this through. I don't know any hostels that stayed in Bolivia. Apart from one in La Paz, which I'll come to, but just one of those days where I didn't write anything down. I've learnt my lesson. Don't hate me for it. So this silver mine tour, we weirdly booked in for the day after the night out, and I think we got up pretty worse for wear, really. Like, ouch. Um, I think I put my Facebook wall all the time. It's, yeah, yeah, it's hanging like, a, like someone's boozed up. So the tour bus picked us up, and he said, right, first thing we do is we're going to go to the market. We're like, oh. Okay, the custom thing to do on this tour is you buy the miners some gifts because they're quite poor, essentially. They're trying to search for the silver and make some money for their families. And imagine this, you're arriving to the market and it's literally anything goes. And I'm talking, this is what you can buy. And I'll tell you what I did buy. At this market, I bought children's books because I feel like it's probably a good thing for the miners to give to their children because it's entertainment. You know, it's a bit nice for, nice thing for them. You can buy cocoa leaves everyone buys them so cocoa leaves is what starts the cocaine process it's right at the beginning comes out of those leaves but you know non-processed it stays in the leaves and you can just chew them in your gum um gives you a little bit of a boost i mean it's not like end of the world or anything it's just like ah oh, cool and a lot of miners have these just to get through the day so i've got some cocoa leaves and i also bought some dynamite yes i bought some tnt at the market couldn't believe it um, I was holding these sticks of dynamite that they used to blow up parts of the mine to search for I don't know, more silver and stuff. Just couldn't believe I was holding drugs, explosives, 
and a children's book in one in you know in one go unbelievable where else can you do that so we got our stuff and we come to the entrance and we have to dress up in this gear i think we signed a waiver like you know if the mind if the whole mind collapses they're not liable blah 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 um we had like a hard hat on a torch some overalls and i think ryan was really struggling he was like hanging um but the crux of it is we go into this into this mine and the guides will lead us um but essentially it's going to be dark it's going to be a bit claustrophobic you don't know where you're going you get to climb some ladders you're going to see random miners walking past you probably hear some loud bangs from the explosions in the mine and they're going to take us through um, to an area where we can meet some of the miners, give our gifts, and also just check out some bits that they do. So I remember going in and everyone's like, oh my God, what, what are we doing? So being brave, um, younger, braver me, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll lead the group. So I volunteered to go first. First thing you hit with is, bang, can't see, pure darkness, got to go up a ladder. I'm like, oh God, in my boots, I'm about climbing the ladder. Like, just really fearless of it. And I don't mind this sort of stuff. Kind of reminds me of when I've done the uh, Glacier Tour in New Zealand. Through, like, you know, those, like, little nooks and crannies and stuff. Like, it doesn't really affect me. So, up I go, and we're leading through. And I remember, like, getting up this ladder. And it takes a while, because people are getting a bit, a little bit scared. They have to climb up. Need a bit of encouragement. But I rattled up the ladder. I had a bit of time to chill out, really. So, I chilled out with some of the guys. And then some of the miners walked past. And I sort of, like, said hello. They're really nice people. Hello. Then I saw... I guess as a family, like the dad and his sons, but his sons could have been no more than 12, 13. And I said to the guy, look, hey, look, can I just give my gifts to these guys? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So in my basic Spanish, went over and said hello, you know, me, amo, James, and all that sort of stuff. Gave him my dynamite, my cocoa leaves and children's books. And they were absolutely ecstatic, like shaking my hand, like really nice. I was like, oh, so hopefully it made a difference to their lives for like at least a week. Um, so I gave my gifts away. And then throughout the whole rest of the tour, um, yeah, we just walked around, saw the miners, spoke to them, went in these like different areas where they blow stuff up, looked at some silver. And then the weirdest part is they have a silver mine guru or god, if you like. And this is this one statue of a man. And he's got this huge erect penis and he's sitting there holding that. And it's just him smoking a bit of, I don't know, could be weed or just a cigarette. And he's got like cocoa leaves thrown all over him. There's some money on the floor, um, like coins. Like oh, that's a bit weird. And we just sat around here. I think the guy's done a little little prayer and stuff. And then yeah, they explained that that's a good for- it brings them good fortune. They believe in it. Um, it keeps them with their jobs and their money to provide it for the family. So yeah, that was it. All in all, for for half a day for thirty dollars, quite a unique experience. And if you go to Potosi, I, I would recommend it. Um, I think your hostel can book that for you. Um, and we came out and the daylight hits you. It's like, whoa, bloody hell, yeah. So I don't know how nice go, how, to, how those guys do it day in, day out, but definitely worth the tour. So after, yeah, arrived in Batozzi, a night out, done the salt mine tour, and then we sort of like chilled out. The next day we were travelling to Sucre, which is like the constitutional capital. Um in Bolivia, all buses, nothing else. There's no trains. Um, flight's not really worth it. Too expensive. So the only way to do it is buses. Um, Sucre was... Um, this is the part where I actually left the Aussie guys. The Aussie guys then went off on a different route. So I think they went east to maybe like 
Cochabamba or towards the Amazon desert, uh, uh, rainforest, sorry. So I carried on to Sucre and I went to meet, um, I think I went to meet Lewis there actually for, for a little bit. Lewis wasn't with me at this point. Um, I can't really recall why, um, something to do with, um, trouble with his money because he, he was living in China and he was coming to travel with me in South America, but problems with getting access to his money to travel with. So at this point, um, I think I was meeting Lewis, potentially was on my own, can't remember. Um, checked in the hostel, and Sucre is a really nice, calm place. It's obviously a bit more money there because it's the capital. Buildings, um, like all white buildings, there's markets, um, a lot of parks you can walk around, a general cool vibe, smaller place. And um, I met this weird Irish guy at, at the hostel who was a bit of a lad, and he was like staying there forever, he said, so... He obviously loved it. I met a couple of Chilean doctors in my hostel dorm. They're pretty cool. And I went out for a few drinks with them. Um, but yeah, really cool place. And the one tour I did there, I'd done a walking tour at the top of the city called the Old Monastery. Um, it's called Monasterio de la Recoleta and sits at the top of the city and has a lookout over the, over the whole city. And it's um, like an old monastery. It's like, got white walls the classic stuff in that city that's definitely worth doing and then you can walk back into town from there it's all downhill so i, I walked back into town um yeah super not really much happened there just a few looks around markets walking tours very nice definitely worth visiting it's very different to the rest of um yeah definitely different to the rest of bolivia so after that i then went to meet la paz i know lewis was there then so maybe it's in la paz i met lewis so Lewis was going to be staying at the Wild Rover Hostel, which is a party hostel. Like We'll come back to that in a minute. I was staying at Loki Hostel, another party hostel. They're the two in sort of like Bolivia and South America, I think, as a whole. But definitely La Paz, Wild Rover or Loki. Um, so I checked into Loki. I then went to meet um, Lewis because we're doing the death row. But before that, Scott, my friend Scott, who was on episodes a few back, um, he was in there in La Paz with his mate Keith. And he had, I think, one night there, or one day, one night, before he had to move on. So I said, look, we'll push back the Death Road um, tour and we'll have a good night out um, and catch up. So I went to Wild Rover where they were staying and met Scott, Keith and Lewis at the same place. And it was kicking off, like... Music, pool tables, booze. If you want a drug, they're flying about in the hostel. Um, so we're getting absolutely boozed up. Like by 10, 10.30, it was getting a bit loose. Um, I don't want to go too much into the night out because I think um, next time Scott comes on, we're going to discuss that night out in full. But we had a really heavy night and I didn't get back till 11 a.m. next day or something. It was mental. La Paz is like a bowl. It's a bowl of naughtiness. You can, um, it's pretty, I'm not going to say it's lawless, but you can do a lot of things there and get away with it. And um, there's a lot of different types of bars you can go to and very cheap as well. So yeah, we had a good night out from the hostel. I think we went to a couple of clubs, ended up in another type of bar, which I'll come to in another episode. But yeah, absolutely hanged and get back till 10, 30, 11 a.m. next morning. And then classic me, Met them for a an English breakfast after a few hours kip before they went off. We found an English type um, calf down the road, smashed in the fry up. Love that. 
and then said goodbye to those guys. And Keith was a great guy. Like, keep meaning, keep meaning to catch up with him. Uh, he's back in the UK at the minute. So hopefully when I go back, um, maybe end of this year, middle of next year, I can catch up with him and talk about that night. But yeah, so cracking night out. Caught up with Lewis as well. And now Lewis was now staying with me from La Paz all the way through to Inca Trail, etc. And then flying out of South America. So yeah, we booked our Death Road tour with Altitude Tours for $80. If you don't know Death Road, it's the one that's on the Top Gear when they try to drive down it. Um, it's now a tourist attraction because they built a new road because people, people kept falling off the edge and dying. Um, it's now used very sparingly by by the locals, but hardly at all. You can't fit two cars on that road. It's definitely one car only, but if it's two cars, good luck to them, you know. Um, so now it's more of a tourist um, idea. So what you do is you you go to Altitude Tours as, as an example. They give you some gear, uh, a bike, and uh, you get into that gear and you sort of just bike all the way downhill, um, stopping along the way for some photo ops and um, just kind of taking the scenery, really. Um, there's kind of three groups in this. And it's a bit of a cool story that I'm going to tell because it's part, I can't not tell it, but there was three groups. You had the front group who were like mostly American bikers like racing downhill as a race um like just not really taking in the view but just trying to get down as quickly as possible going through like the the cutoffs and the in, in like the woods and stuff all that so they're racing ahead um i was placed in the middle group um maybe at the front so what to get a bit of a move on get my photos move on and then lewis was in the third group just taking it easy really chilling out which i probably should have done really now we, as a group, agreed, like, there's one, not checkpoint, but there's one bit on the road that we all agreed to stop at and just, like, you know, check in, see everyone's getting on. So the first group raced off, and I went off in my second group, and then Lewis chugged in behind. And we got to this checkpoint, and there's a bit of a lag, a bit of a delay. And a rumour start flying around that there's been an accident from one of the people in the other group that's behind. Like, oh, God, okay, fair enough. Anyway... The, the minivan comes and then the, the last few bikers, including Lewis, is that back, comes through. And Lewis is looking sheepish as hell. Oh, mate, here I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. I think they're going to talk about it now, but I'm a bit embarrassed. I went, oh, what's, what's going on? Like, he goes, oh. And then a few people started asking because some guy had cuts on his, like, leg or in his arms and stuff. And then it sort of gets around that there had been an accident. So Lewis like, oh, yeah. Um, I was biking down. This is Lewis. I was biking down. Um, he probably tells us better when he comes on in a few episodes time but he essentially his brakes stopped working now it's not great going downhill on death road when your, brake, when your brakes don't work and I think he comes to the realisation that when he's coming down the road to the left there's the fall of the cliff where people die and to the right there's the cliff as in like the wall so you can either fall off the edge or go into the cliff but either one's not great because if you're going into the cliff yeah you're going to obviously cause some serious damage but going left he's going to fall off the edge and he said the only only thing he could do to maybe mitigate this was crash into someone else so it wasn't like against either of those and then they'd hope for the best so he said that as he was biking down and realised that his brakes are not working he just instinct, instinctively sort of crashed into one of the other guys um, so his front wheel went into their back wheel and it caused him all Lewis to flip over. The other guy went crashing into a bit into the wall and over and stuff. Uh, but essentially, that saved his life because 
the bike that Lewis is on flipped over the edge of the cliff. And the guy who was in front was obviously pissed off, understandably, but I think he might realise at the end why he did it. Was obviously like flying over the handlebars as well, cuts and grazes and stuff. And then Lewis like sort of softly went into the wall, um, but kind of survived it. And this caused a break because obviously the the guys were freaking out. So they went and got, the crazy thing is they went and got Lewis's bike uh, from over the edge, pulled it off from the trees, refixed it and gave it back to Lewis. <laughs> so Lewis had to drive, had, had to bike down all the way to the end on the same bike, which is crazy. So yeah, that happened. And then Lewis was getting a bit embarrassed about it, which is totally fair enough. And I think they both, the other guy wants to just move on. Um, once everyone got told, they sort of forgot about it. And, a few people just like went up to him and said, yeah, I hope you're all right. And obviously they're both a bit shaken up. So yeah, the rest of that tour was for those guys, definitely taking it easy. And I sort of raced off to get the buffet at the end because I was starving. But yeah, the views are great. It's definitely worth it for, um, as a tour, yeah, $80. Um, you get your classic photos. I think if you went death road photo. Now you'll see like all the bikers at the edge, done all of that, got the photo. So would highly recommend it and then yeah just gotta pray your bike doesn't lose its brakes because that could be pretty bad so after that we uh, regrouped in La Paz I think Lewis is what I'd only like after that so I think he went back to his hostel mod rover I was stuck at Loki now as classic Bolivia not that far walk 10 15 20 minutes but of course like the rest of the cities La Paz is up and down hills so it's not just an easy walk. Otherwise, I'd go and just go to his hostel. But it was just a chore to walk there because of the altitude and because of the up and downness of the hills. So I stayed at Loki. I think some of my group were there as well. They wanted to get a bit of a party on. Now, at this hostel, um, I didn't really fancy it, but at this hostel, there's a bar um, downstairs. Um, no, I think it's upstairs, actually. And there's a board, and it's got countries on it. It's got, like, Australia, England, Scotland, Ireland... And it's got a point system next to it. Um, I was like, oh, to the bar guy, like, what, what is this point system? He's like, oh, this is how many shots um, you do in a month. And I think you, I think England was leading and Australia was very close in second place. Um, but this went on every night where people would turn up and try and add to that leaderboard by doing loads of shots. So that was the, yeah, a bit of a drinking game that was definitely going on when I was there. But I think um, after the night out on death road, uh, the Lewis incident and we had to go to Lake Titicaca the day after I think I just chilled out in the hostel and had a few drinks with the crew and then called it a night so the next day yeah we we grouped and we got a bus to um, Lake Titicaca so Lake Titicaca is the highest lake in the world and it also is uh, on the border of Peru so it's good for us because we can do the Lake Titicaca do the tour then get over to Peru and then crack on the Inga Trail so we get the bus from La Paz to Vichy and we stay the night. Um, I remember checking into a hostel. Um, we got there quite late. So we got out. Me and Lewis got out. Quickly got some food in and went to bed. Now, in those days, I ate meat. And I had some dodgy chicken, which made me stay up all night. And I was grim. But this tour was kind of like quite expensive. And it's one of the things you definitely have to do, you definitely have to do in South America. So um, by the morning, I thought I felt okay. So got on the boat got the bus um, to the base where the boat is we've got on the boat and as soon as the boat starts going after 20 minutes I'm feeling like shit I'm like oh god I could be sick at any moment I don't think downstairs is great either 
but I somehow managed to make it to the first sort of stop on the tour and it's to these floating islands which are really cool you can actually go meet the locals who live on these floating islands they like made of straw so we got off um, I was glad to get off the boat to be honest and walk around on these floating islands speak to the locals buy some souvenirs if you want um, hear a bit of history about it and that was good I felt better after that and then after that once you do the sort of the floating islands you go over to this, like another island where you can do like a little hike and you go up to a viewpoint of the of some of the lake but I was in no state and I'd said that I just can't do it I'd sort of lay down so um, the whole group including Lewis went off to do the hike I stayed on the boat just to chill out and then the next start was I think after that was just go, go around a bit of a more of a lake and then you sort of go back to the mainland and then on the way back to the mainland I was starting to feel really edgy and I think we're about 25 minutes away 20 minutes away and I couldn't wait to get back and Lewis can tell us I was really suffering and then I think we got about 10 minutes before we had to get back and there must have been a bit of a rough jolt from the boat which made me absolute chunder over the edge but at the same time unfortunately I shat myself as well so I had to um <laughs> deal with a sickness and then try and stop the other end and then once I've dealt with sickness I had to run back into the toilet on the board of the boat I couldn't make it in time and then sort myself out and when we got back to the mainland I just uh, booked in the same hostel but I booked a private dorm uh, private room I just did not want to share with people I just had to be alone drink some water not eat anything and try and get out of my system because the day after we were going to Peru um, so yeah checked into that sometimes once in a while you do that uh, nothing wrong with that um, yeah so that was my Bolivia experience really I think I've covered pretty much everything when Lewis comes on the um, podcast in a few episodes time we will definitely go into more detail of South America as well and probably Bolivia. Um, but yeah, I think um, Bolivia is definitely worth a visit and I would probably stay an extra two weeks to do four. There's so many different types of stuff you can do. I would definitely go east and try and get the Amazon stuff in as well. Um, and also food-wise, they love their soup. I, I love... Everywhere you went, Bolivian soup, Brilliant. Definitely that and empanadas as per usual. Um, the usual South American street food, love that. Um, so they are type of foods, but South America's got a weird um, food culture, really. It's kind of a mix of everything. There's nothing specific. You know, you've got empanadas, you've got your steak, but it's nothing like unusual if you're coming from like UK or Australia or somewhere like that. Um, but yeah, that's my Bolivia experience. We're coming towards the end of the podcast so uh, episode. So I will leave you with that any questions you can uh, reach out to me on my instagram page james hammond travel um i'll do the end of the podcast um, recorded um commentary obviously after this um but yeah you can reach out and i'll be i'll be sharing some photos from my experiences in bolivia over the next coming days so you probably get an idea of what it looks like so as usual i will leave with a quote and this quote is from holly morris who says, adventure should be part of everyone's life. It is the whole difference between being fully alive and just existing. So I love this quote because if you're not adventurous, and that doesn't mean to be like every single day, every single thing you do, but it's got to be an element of adventure because if not, you're just kind of like cruising. You're not really like doing anything. There's nothing new. Um, 
and it's not really inspiring to be honest um, you only get one shot at life so you've got to really give it a go um, but adventure could be many forms um, but I would advise if anyone can be a little bit adventurous and they want to go to South America like adventure for me is Bolivia because we all hear classic places like Brazil Argentina which are all great Chile that are worth doing Ecuador Colombia but something like Bolivia which is not really talked about that much is definitely an adventure and an experience and I think you gain a lot from it so I would highly recommend Bolivia. Um, I wish I was there for longer. Um, next time I will. And I think there's a few more things I want to do there. But just to summarise, the top th- the top things you should do in Bolivia is definitely the salt flats. Um, whether it's the wet or dry season. I want to go back and do the wet season because you get that mirror image on the flats. And I think that looks pretty incredible. So definitely the salt flats. And that could be, you can do that from either Chile Um northern chile which, which is where i went from or you can do it from argentina um i know a friend i'm speaking to today he went from northern uh, argentina up so definitely salt flats definitely death road um i know lewis had a bit of an accident but if you're not too scared of biking um it's just downhill so there's no real like um aerobic stuff you have to deal with um great few hours great buffet at the end get your t-shirt get it done um, and also the Silver Mine Tour is definitely something in Potosi if you want to check out. Um, unfortunately, back in those days, I wasn't really a coffee drinker. Now I'm a massive coffee drinker, but I would probably put that high on the list to go and check out some real good um, South American coffee as well. I know there was a cafe I went to in Potosi actually. Um, it's called the Mile Up Cafe, something like that, or Three Miles Up Cafe, something like that. And that was really trendy. Um, that was near the hostel I was staying at. So next time I go, I want to do more coffees, some cafe culture. I want to go and check out the Amazon in the east, go and see some pink dolphins. Um, I want to check out more of the other areas of the country that, you know, like Cochabamba and stuff like that. So um, that's on my hit list of things in Bolivia. So I hope this is informative. Uh, A few stories chucked in there, maybe giving you a few ideas about South America and Bolivia as a whole. And I look forward to hearing your reaction. And thanks for everyone for downloading, especially on Apple Podcasts. This week, I had some um, figures come through randomly about being number 34 in Canada for places in travel and 103 in UK for the same category for the last 30 days. I was really surprised by that. So, yeah, a real big thanks to everyone who's um, checking it out on Apple Podcasts. And also Spotify as well seems to be massively kicking off there. Like, couldn't believe the figures I was reading this week. So, yeah, great. Um, Have a good night or evening or day or week or month. Oh yeah, happy travelling, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time. Cheers, bye. Thank you for listening to my Winger Net podcast today. You can check out my website, jameshammond.org, for all the links to all the platforms for your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. There's also a newsletter sign-up on my homepage for twice-a-week newsletters where I talk all things travel of my last 10 years. There's a contact form on the homepage for you to get in contact for anything you want me to discuss to do with travelling. Please check out my YouTube channel, Winging It Podcast, where I release weekly content, all ends this podcast, and some live reaction. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel, where I post daily about my last 10 years of travelling, travelling, and more travelling. Finally, please rate the podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you can rate it, leave some comments, and I'd love to read them. Stay safe, happy listening, happy reading, and be inspired.